This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Giles Paley Phillips, and with me today for episode fifty-one, mm-hmm. we've, we've passed the fifty mark. It's Jim Daly. Hello, we have. We're on to the next fifty. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. next milestone is one hundred. I was going to say in the home straight, but that sounds like we're finishing. So we're not going to finish one hundred. No. We're not going to finish at two hundred. We're not actually. Do you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I've already had one baby. You know, yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on in my life. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Here's on to the next. The next fifty-one. Uh, yeah. How are you doing this week? I'm all right, actually. Writing a lot. Mm. Yeah, I've been busy with writing. That's good. That's really yeah, good. So yeah, You're feeling creative. Well, I don't know if I'm feeling creative, but I'm. I'm. I'm tackling it differently. I'm tackling it in a more. That's interesting. Are you doing anything in particular in terms of your approach I've to st- it? I've. So for the writing stuff. Um, I've decided to come out of ha- the house because I normally work right at home, um, but I'm I'm so preoccupied with like making sure the house is tidy and all that kind of stuff. Oh my god, I do the same. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an easy distraction. Though, yeah, and making sure that, you know, like, oh, the dishwasher's not been done, so all that kind of stuff, and just doing ad- regular admin and all that kind of thing and other mm. types of bits of work. So for the creative stuff, I've decided to take myself out of of the home environment and yeah. go. So I've been going to like some public spaces. So I've been going to cafes um, in my town in Seaford where I live and the local library. We've shout got a really great, well, big shout out to Seaford because we've got a great library. Um, and unfortunately, the council clo- um, cut down all the hours in there. We've got this fantastic uh. space and it's a brilliant space for uh, people working and students and stuff. And we've got this lovely kind of glass room where you like um, partitioned off nice. from the main bit of the library where you can go and work and it's you know it's got plugs and they've got free Wi-Fi obviously and everything That's good. it's great so I've been taking myself there and then we've got brilliant the brilliant backers I'm going to give them a shout out the brilliant backers Namir and Sarah backers um, cafe who we gave shout out on the Dan Chute podcast <gasps> way back wow way back when back in time because um, they do the best coffee in seafood I think <laughs> nice 
Yeah. If so you're I've ever just, in Seaford, like, alienated all the other coffee shops. <laughs> in Seaford, but I, I like I like Backers Coffee. So yeah, so I go there and and it's great because you kind of soak up a bit of sort of normal mm. life, like people having their coffees and listening to conversations. But it's a like bit that. like going to work. It's a bit like going to an office. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah, getting absolutely. some of that that in you know that social aspect of it. Well, it was brilliant yesterday. I went in there and I had um, I was having a I was having a nice I had a latte and uh, this group of um, sort of senior ladies came in and they sat in the corner. And they were basically reviewing the Christmas TV. Oh, so my every, God, amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. It, uh, it was so good being on the wall because they were so scathing about it. Like really? Quite a lot of programmes, yeah. Did they praise anything in particular? I'm trying to think what. They were really harsh about... Um, <laughs> they were really harsh about Gavin and Stacey, which I think is a real oh. shame because I loved the Christmas I Gavin w- and Stacey. I'm not, I never really used to watch Gavin and Stacey, but I watched the Christmas one. Yeah, it's I really great. enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. It's really, it was like, good. It's really nice and yeah. like make you, make, make you feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, they were really dismissive of that. Um, maybe, maybe they're not the right demographic for it. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, one of them had seen Cats, the movie. Mm, well, that's different though, isn't it? Yeah, that's which, which is obviously been panned across TV, the board. Yeah, she, she said that um, she'd read all the reviews so she was, she'd researched, but um, had not been swayed by them. And actually, she quite enjoyed it. But then another lady pe- piped in, and she said she thought it was utter shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, which I think has been the sort of majority. Well, of it did get, that. I think it was the Telegraph or the Times that gave it a zero yeah, stars. Zero stars, yeah. Which I'm guessing it's fairly unprecedented. So. I don't think that's ever happened before. So it's probably not. Yeah, and good. I go by Mark Commode's my, um, he's, 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 for me, he's the... He's the Don when it yeah. comes to abuse. And what does he and say? He th- said it was pretty bad. Weak. But you know what? <laughs> but I, had, I was talking to Miranda about this, and I had mm. a little theory that actually, because like, there's a lot of like big names in it and stuff, mm. and I think there's a lot of professional people that have worked on it. And, and Yeah, yeah. Do you think at some point they know they're making something bad, so they think, I want to make this so bad, it gets these zero-star reviews, and actually, because I actually want to kind of want to see it more now to see how bad it is, rather than, well, I wouldn't have whole, seen it before. Yeah, I guess there's that whole, you know... That reverse advertising. All press is good press. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. to know, I mean, Tom Hooper's the director, and he's done, I mean, um, done some... He did The Danish Girl... And done some other big movies. Um, I, he probably doesn't want it to get naught stars. No, uh, I just think the filmmakers basically. I don't. The stars that are in it probably, you know, I mean, there's big stars in it, but it, you know, they've all probably done a duffer at a time. Yeah, and their careers, so probably not affecting them so much. But I think the filmmakers will. It will hurt them, mm. and not, clearly it will hurt the. I mean, I don't know what they're taking. I mean, it might be still taking money i mean there is a theory that it doesn't matter without reviews because people will go you know they've made five transformers movies like the reviews for those movies has not stopped them making transformers very movies. true so they've I made guess... eight fast and furious well, exactly movies. so you know are reviews that important um maybe i if can't really imagine there's going to be eight cats movies though uh, i don't well there should be nine <laughs> there shouldn't be yeah <laughs> brilliant Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> on that humdinger. Well, you're speaking of a duffer. Do you know yeah. what's not a duffer? Oh, this week's episode, right? Brilliant episode. Such a nice guest. It's the wonderful Kerry Godleman. Oh, I've always been a massive fan of Kerry for ages, from her stand-up stuff, her role in Derek, with, uh, alongside Ricky Gervais, and obviously more recently she's been in Afterlife with Ricky as well. Mm. And um, she's, just, she's just really naturally great um, actress, and you know she's just a lovable person, really. I, you know... Love spending time with her. We went down to her gaff mm-hmm. um, down in West London and yeah, we had a great yeah, time. Great time. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really, again, easy person to talk to. Yeah. 
we like quick to connect to, lots of great stories, and it's a really good pod. But before we dip in, yes. would you like to hear a tweet? I'd love to hear from one. From one of our listeners. I've got one here from Bethany oh. Ann, who says, in the market for a new podcast, can thoroughly recommend Blank Pod about life's blank moments. So refreshing to listen to in-depth, thought-provoking and honest interviews with hosts who actually listen to their guests. Some amazing celebs on there too. Check it out. Thanks, Bethann. Sorry, Bethann Amy. Um, that's a really nice review. Thank that's you so lovely. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, really appreciate got, that. Got one here from Sophia. Um, Chowdhury Khan, I think it is. Um, sorry, Sophia, if I've said your name wrong. But people, if you're looking for a podcast to get hooked on this year, I suggest you try Blank Pod. Some brilliant guests, thanks to uh, Jim Daly and Giles Bo Phillips. Um, great work. If you need other guests, I know a few, she says. Oh, okay. We better... We should tap her up. Yeah. She's... Oh, yes. Khan Communications. Well, okay. We, well, we might we be will. contacting yeah, yeah. you. Here's another one also from Mr. Goldfish, Stephen. Finally, for podcasts, Blank Pod has been a very useful listen on winter evenings. There's a wonderful mix of subjects and hosts. Giles Petty Phillips and Jim Daly have quite a unique talent for encouraging their guests to talk without imposing themselves on the stream. So I've never been called a unique talent before, so thank you very much, Mr. Goldfish. And do you know what? We've got better reviews there than cats will ever get. (laughs) So I think we should take that as a win and go straight into this week's Blank Podcast with Kerry Godleman. That's why I find doing um, topical panel shows challenging. Yes, because you do Mock the Week a lot. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. so it's really hard sometimes to keep your true feelings out. Of course. Or in or out. And is that tricky with a show like that because it's BBC, obviously? Well, you just have to write jokes. They have to be funny. They have to be funny first. And it's annoying when they're really funny, but they're not in accordance with what you believe. Mm. Yeah. You know? So it's like, oh, oh. The, you know, the comics will take the laugh. It'll take the laugh. Yeah. It's 100%. Yeah, but do you, I was wondering, what do you think about that sort of stuff, though? Because you want to come across in a certain way. Uh, yes and no. It gets in the way. Sometimes when the, the news can be sad and depressing and it's really hard to find the funny. I mean, I don't think I'm naturally a topical comedian, so it's sort of funny when you find yourself doing topical. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, how did this happen? I suppose a show like that, it's like they want you to be funny first and sure, be a yeah, bit informed, yeah. but you don't have to be. In in fact, sometimes being more informed or opinionated gets in the way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I can understand that, actually. I suppose with that show, you've got um, elements of stand-up and exactly. improvisation as well. Exactly. Which is, yeah. Half the time, yeah. it's wordplay yeah. and mm. um, normal jokes, but just with the names of politicians in <laughs> the blanks, you know. <laughs> do you have to prep, though, for that? A do you lot. Re- do you? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of prep. All the, the news stories are yeah. sent. And I never know what people know in terms of the secrets of... Because there are obviously still people that think these shows are entirely um, spontaneous. You know, mm, mm. I mean, the fact that it's a three-hour record cut down to 28 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, like, oh, it's, there's a sort of magic there. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil it for people. 
if they yeah. believe that's a, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. twenty-eight-minute conversation that just went really well <laughs> every, every week. Everyone was funny. They nailed it so <laughs> well. Just so funny all the time. Everything they said. How do they do it? Yeah. So I don't want to. You know, it's the, the behind the curtain, isn't it? You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, but it's the same with like live stand-up. I don't think people think comedians get on stage and are just spontaneously funny for 20 minutes. My husband minutes. did. When <laughs> really? I met him, he was like, oh my, when he realised that it was crafted and written and honed, he was heartbroken. Just no thought, way. I they were really funny. Oh. <laughs> Every what, night. Are you really stupid? <laughs> I mean, my friend once said that she overheard a couple of people at a comedy club saying, oh God, wasn't it amazing when... When the comedian just out of nowhere said, where did you learn to whisper in a helicopter factory? Like, <laughs> what? You genuinely thought that was off the cuff? But the things we think are hack yeah, yeah. are not yeah. To, to other people. Because those audiences are going some, once a year sometimes, if that. So they haven't seen that stuff before. They don't know. No. I don't come to your place of work and show you how to flip burgers. <laughs> like, wow, you, it's amazing. This guy's off the charts. Yes, he's <laughs> coming out with his oh stuff. Oh, God. Out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So we normally start by talking about childhood. You're born in London. Yes. West London. West London. Yeah. And now I live in South London. Yeah. That tippy tappy sound in the background is the dog. That's good. We like strange noises. It's fine. We we often have animals on the podcast. Oh, there's the shake. Okay, didn't like me. No, she does. I'm sure she's extremely sweet and passive. And hello. There is no not liking. Oh, that's good. There's just liking. Because we've had. we came to Rebecca Callard's house. She's she down the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's got Teddy. Hello. Oh, he's who's, cute. Who's, yeah, yeah, he's about. lovely, yeah. And then um, we've had cats as well, haven't we, on the podcast? There's a cat as well. He may, yeah. come, he may come back. Yeah. This is, yes, this is Molly. She's very sweet and low-key, but she might make odd noises. So just It's fine. We like odd noises. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up in West yeah. London, northwest London, Greenford, which is, uh, if you know the truth, map, quite near the end of the central line. Okay. That's how Londoners anchor mm-hmm. themselves to locations. That's what I do as well, yeah. Tube Yeah. End of the Metline I am. Are you? Yeah. Metroland. Zone Metro 9. Metroland. Metroland. Yeah, I didn't know there was Zone 9 Deep before suburbia. I moved there. Big time. Big time. Well, suburbia, I'm in su- the suburbs now of South London, but I grew up in the sort of more further flung suburbs of West London. Middlesex, technically. Mm. Yeah. But I wouldn't... My mum and dad still live there. And my dad grew up there. There's the noises. Look, there's the dog. There uh, my dad grew up there. Sorry, let me let her out. Um, and I went... Talking of schools, which yeah, yeah. just went... I went to the same school that my dad went oh, to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although it was a comprehensive when I went there and it was a secondary modern when he went there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he hasn't gone far. From Northolt. He's from Northolt and, and moved all the way to Greenfield. <laughs> <laughs> and what was school like? Did you like school? Were you academic? I wasn't academic. I did quite like school. I mean, it was up, there were ups and it was a big school. Mm. It was a really big school. Um, it was, as I say, my dad's old secondary yeah, yeah. modern and the grammar. So they, so they made it, it into oh, one okay, big yeah. comprehensive. Uh, and I mean... I think we can all we all have sort of false memories about our educations, mm. don't we? We can build up a kind of picture of it, and I suppose somewhere along the line, maybe I've created a you know sort of version of it that it was a bit rough. Mm. I mean, it was you know it wasn't a sort of smart school, and it's a lot of racism. Remember that, yeah. yeah. And there were not gangs. We wouldn't even have had that language then. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't worry, it's <laughs> fine. It's Christmas, so there could be more parcels arriving. 
No, it was a, yeah. it was a perfectly fine school, and I, you know what, I have uh, I have no complaints really. No. I kind of when you work, it was the kind of place where you, if you work hard, you'd be all right. And I mm. got I had lovely I got made some lovely friendships, and I got some GCSEs. And then I left. That's all you can hope for. And I was it? in the school shows, and I yeah. stopped some boys, and I had a good time. So you did the school shows. You were into. I did Bugsy Malone. Did you? Yeah. Who were you? Who? Well, who Tallulah. Did you think? Of course. Were you? Of course. We did Bugsy Malone at my school. Did you? Everyone I didn't get a part. Oh man. Uh, oh mate. So I ended up doing teas. Doing <laughs> teas. Yeah, for the audience. It's a, it's a big role though. It's a good role. I love. But it. I could get. But having said that, I did get to watch it like three nights on the chart. So that was that was. It's a great show. And they did in CDT. They made the splurge gun. Oh, that's brilliant! Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> Combining, yeah. my daughter did it at the end of year six, and she was Tallulah. I mean, it's you know, it, yeah. it's it's just such a great show yeah. for kids to do. It was brilliant, and I did. I mean, I, you know, and I left school, and I'm still mates with one of my old school friends, and um, and left school to go to. I didn't stay on. No. Uh, because it wasn't really once you've made your mind up that you want to go into sort of. The arts or drama mm. or whatever it was i knew it wasn't the environment that i was going to get what i wanted mm. out of it i like the way that for school for you escalated i mean it was fine i mean there was a bit of racism there were gangs well there was a lot of gangs <laughs> but it was there was a rough side to you know what i mean it was yeah. like it was on an estate the estate my dad grew up on as it happens and my mm. nan lived on but um it just you know it it wasn't hogwarts yeah. It wasn't Mallory. It wasn't Mallory Towers. It was a bit yeah. more Grange Hill, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a rough side to it, and I managed to sort of bob and weave. There were times. <laughs> what on earth is she doing? She wants to be on the pod. It's just so raw, isn't it? That when you're it's making pod calls, fine. like a brass band will come by in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope so. Um, that's part of negotiating life though isn't it it is part of negotiating yeah. life and that's what I mean sometimes when you were asked to talk about school you go well how much of this is real yeah. and how much is this what I've painted yeah. to fill a narrative you know I could spin it that it was like I'm from the wrong side of the track <laughs> but it's just, it was just a pretty average comprehensive in the 80s yeah. and yeah. there was a lot of racism and it did yeah. used to, I mean it was a bit of a I got it, it did go on and it was upsetting mm. yeah. you know at the time I'm one of if you were too vocal, because I was quite politicised even when I was a teenager, sort of my, I was brought up. Your like parents, that. yeah, your parents. So you know, one of my nicknames was Commy Kerry. I mean, it was it, it's like <laughs> really? it's just like bizarrely oh that yeah. these things. Yeah. But kids are idiots, aren't they? Yeah. And they just, they just, I don't know. That's what I mean. You can either swing it that it's like this is this is how it, or go well. Actually, that that was a reality, and that that was part of who I was when I was growing up and, yeah. and the conflict that was going on in my upbringing at a sort of formative age. Well, we don't choose our upbringing, as you know. We don't choose what schools we end up in or these situations. We're no. Just, we sort of deal with them as yeah, they happen. Exactly. And that's just... And they're kind of the making of you. And that's why there's no point in the whole um, being overly negative about it because it's like... Uh, it's part of who you are. Yeah. It makes you who you are. Yeah. Unless it breaks you. <laughs> well, I went to my primary school was run by nuns. I mean, those stories, those Catholic right? nun stories, yeah. man. I mean, I don't think it broke me. Did it break me? I know. Am some I people, broken? I do know some people that have had those nuns break them. Yeah. Getting well, broken by a nun. I mean, it's Magdalene, Magdalene Sisters territory, isn't it? It's yeah. like, oh man. Our nuns were quite nice. They're okay. I oh, see, a lot of nuns. But maybe are not. Nice. Maybe again, some looking, dark nuns. Like, I'm sure there's a couple of dark nuns. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sounds like a Christopher Nolan film. But we didn't. Um, yeah, we didn't see them, so who knows? You didn't see them, though? Didn't see the Dark Nuns. Oh, I see. 
And I had friends who went to really posh boarding schools and had awful, awful oh, time. Yeah, yeah. And, do you know what I mean? There's, like, there's all these different sort of... School is hard. Yeah. It is. Well, it's a really hard time. You know, we alluded to that earlier when we were talking about kids, but it's just a hard time in your life. Yeah, it is. You know, you're going through hormonal changes yeah. and you just... And the friendship just, stuff is hard. Oh, yeah. friendship And then stuff. this added thing of having to get these random things called qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> And well, finding yourself as well. What yeah. what what you want to do is you. Oh, you know, and there's all this anticipation from everybody. Yeah, and you have to remind yourself that not that long ago in social history, people were up chimneys and yeah. working in factories. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like it's relatively contemporary to even go to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's so odd, isn't it? Mm. So doing the drama stuff was that the fir- your first real taste of? Yeah, doing I that always kind of stuff? did bits and bobs of that as a kid. I did like little dance. Clubs at the local church, and then drama clubs. Yeah. Um, and then I joined like a youth theatre, local youth theatre. Did a bit at school, and then c- carried on. Like once I was on that path, mm-hmm. I, I was pretty focused. That was your thing. Yeah, but not in a kind of like um, f- uh, kids from fame way. I just it, I really loved it, and I loved the people that were in that scene. You know, and once I like. I think I was about 15 or 16 when I joined like Ealing Young People's Theatre and it was just such a lovely, it was a genuinely exciting group of people. I think like we're talking about when you're at that age mm, mm. and you're looking for your identity and your tribe yeah, and I yeah, found yeah, them, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was lucky, I found them and, and, and I loved it. And once you're on that path, it's quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, know? a lot of people don't find that tribe or that path no, exactly. until much later in life, if at all. Exactly, and I've had that conversation with lots of people since, so I realised how lucky I was to have found it. I mean, even at the time, my best friend, who I'm still mates with now, mm. she used to say, you're so lucky you've got something that excites you like that, because she was bright and smart, and but she was just ambivalent about most things. Mm. She just left school, got a job. Yeah. Um, whereas I had this drive uh, to do this thing that I really loved, you know. Yeah, but that drive is interesting, because it takes you, takes you away from, like... That sort of straight path of leaving school, get qualifications, do a normal job. Yeah. Which a lot of my friends do, and I do every day think, should I have done that and just get like a normal income? But then it takes you on this other windy path, and yes, you're following your passion and something you care about, but it's way more uncertain than that. Oh, it's terribly uncertain. That straight path. I mean, it's a compromise. It absolutely is. Um, I think one of the things about my background that um, played its part as well is my mum and dad were both self-employed. So neither right. of them, they weren't in the arts, but they both had, they didn't have bosses, mm. you know, and they were a bit at the mercy of the slings and arrows of self-employment. So yeah. I was never, I never was led to believe there was a normal route and a not normal route. It was just, that's what we did. So I've, ne- I've never had a salary wow. in my life. I've never had, I've never had tax taken off at source. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's yeah, just yeah. a different way of living I've always been scheduled D from the minute I left drama school I've been self-employed it's wow. so funny isn't it it is yeah yeah but I've had jobs I've had yeah, job yeah. jobs but I've not had a, a career in any other yeah. area of work blimey is that yeah. is that weird I don't know I don't no, think it is weird, I actually no. think I wish I'd had that because I spent years doing normal jobs and then realised really? it's not what, what I want what sort of thing Office journalism stuff, uh-huh. but with like a PAYE. Realize it's not what I want to do. I like being self-employed. Much prefer it. Yeah. But take the adjust the adjustment to do it. 
takes a while. You see, I've had a mate who did it now in her 40s. She sort of stopped teaching and it's taken up gardening and teaching freelance and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I had to, we had a really, she was really scared about that. Yeah. She's mm. lost her security. She's yep. lost her sick pay and all yeah. these yeah. things exactly. that obviously if you're used to are, are massive to give them up. And the fear of like not earning enough to live and pay the bills. Yeah. And it was like a real kind of coaching, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. You know, I mean, actually, I suppose now with gig economy and all that, a lot more people are a bit yeah. um, feeling more vulnerable with regard to sort of, there is no job security anymore. So for years, yeah, that's true, yeah. um, you know, you're made to feel if you go the self-employed way that you're the outsider. Mm. But actually, mm. that's not really culturally true anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just it's, it's that uncertainty. Like it, it nearly always seems to work out weirdly, but there's Most still that there's still that low level anxiety of like things yeah, might absolutely. not. Yeah, absolutely. But you have low level anxiety, whatever you're doing. Yeah. You'll have it in a job job. Yeah. Whatever a job job means. <laughs> job job is job, my job, word for yeah. like proper job. <laughs> so out of college, you did college. Yeah. What was what was your first kind of job out of college then? Uh, job, drama mean. school stuff yeah. yeah well I was lucky when I left drama school because I got an agent and not everyone did it was a crap shot and I mm. picked one up so I did start going for auditions pretty much straight away obviously didn't land things straight away so you mean my first acting job well I was going to say actually going back to that what was that like taking taking that on board not, not getting stuff was that difficult uh, I was fully take? prepared for it because well, yeah, if there's okay. one thing if there's feedback you can guarantee about choosing acting as a profession, if people will tell you how hard it is. I mean, no one will yeah. ever tell you it's great. Yeah. Everyone will tell you it's shit relentlessly and that you won't work, even right through drama school. There's a bit of you thinking, well, why are we all here? Yeah. If it's so awful, why are we all here? Yeah. And I suppose, like most people, you think you're the one that will be the exception. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, rejection's not very nice. I remember going up for something and nearly getting it and I wanted it and it was quite a big job mm. uh, that first year out and then not getting it and really I mean it was a blow it was really upsetting and you go well it, you're going to have to suck this up because there's going to be a lot more of this mm. and didn't, didn't deter you though all their moments no and get... it's interesting because there were people yeah. that left college that didn't get jobs and it did deter them and yeah. they chucked it in yeah. you know I mean that's the interesting thing when you get back together with old drama school grad, like graduates or old mates from college to see how many of you are still in the game it's and over the first five years, first decade, then 15 years, then 20 years, like how many of us mm. now are still doing it? And there aren't many in the end. Because a lot of them go into other areas of the industry, which is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, or a bit yeah. more reliable maybe. Yeah, and there's loads of, uh, loads of other areas of the business to go into, not just the performing side. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of, I did plays, fringe, I did a lot of fringe mm -hmm. when I left bits of telly scraps like odd lines on the odd bill and casualty and stuff like that and then um temp it office stuff you know just all the things that actors do to pay the bills like um i was never brilliant at bar work and waitressing and all that i never i wasn't naturally not naturally wired for the service industry my husband that what, says customer service oh probably. god i can't think of anything worse but my husband always says you with a badge on saying happy to serve has got to be the biggest <laughs> contradiction <laughs> just my angry face and happy to serve badge I'm not happy to serve <laughs> um, so I'm not not brilliant at the service industry but like I used to work for a marketing company a theatre marketing company and do 
foot soldiering, putting up posters for yeah. shows. Oh, okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, telly sales. That was that's a big. Is that telly still telly sales? Yeah, I think it is still a thing. Yeah, yeah. lot yeah. of telly sales. That's pretty grim. Though, it's horrible. It? Yeah, it's, it's, but I guess it's kind of acting because you're sort of reading a script and yeah. I'm making it sound better than it is. Well, that's why they attract loads of actors. <laughs> but, but actually, actually yeah. within sort of four calls, you realise <laughs> yeah. you're not doing Chekhov. No. <laughs> so, yeah. I got into forum theatre. I worked. I started working, doing role play. Actors used to oh, okay. role play work. So anything from like working with doctors in hospitals, so playing oh, people okay. that are ill so that doctors train... Mm to you know communication skills i got into a lot of all that forum oh, theater okay that's interesting have you heard forum theater i yeah. haven't heard yeah i think my wife's done some of that okay yeah. so that's brilliant and we did a lot of that in schools in east london and newham and stuff like that and then sometimes doing it for a company that did it in corporate sector and so there's a lot of that kind of work and that once i'd discovered that i was really happy in that world because it's live and mm. there's a point you know, it's not just for entertainment, mm-hmm. it's like it's developing skills and mm. that's the kind of drama I really like. Rose Bruce, where I went to college, was quite up or not. It used to have like a community theatre. Okay. It. it always had a kind of, it wasn't just drama school where you can, you know, yeah, have yeah, this yeah. amazing, it was always about com- what the function of theatre is and what it's for and, and in the community and things like that and that always appealed to me and then when I discovered all that role play stuff and that forum stuff it fed into what I wanted theatre to be I think that's really important actually because it, I like the idea of whatever if you're doing something it's helping someone somewhere even in the smallest way I often think yeah. like what what am I doing in my life I should be actually doing something where I'm do something useful useful yeah exactly mm. but I think with stuff like that community theatre like you, you know you are and even even Stand up, you know, you're making someone's evening a nice evening. For I try and focus on that. It's really the thing about performing is it can be really egoy. It's all about showing off. Yeah. But if you can shift the focus to, like you're saying, actually how it affects other people. Yeah. And that stand up on its basic level is just cheering people up, making yeah. them laugh. If you keep the focus on that yeah. and not on where am I in my career trajectory, <laughs> you know, then it's kind of. But it's, it's nice, isn't it? To have nice. like to feel like you are making a difference or have a My mum was quite up on that. Even when I was growing up, she's kind of really, she was always, her work ethic was all about just helping people and what are you doing? What, yeah. Even as an, mm. if I would ring her and be like, I didn't get that job on casualty, blah, blah, blah. Her view was always, you can always entertain and perform. You can do it for free. You can volunteer. There's loads you can be doing. You don't have to be sitting by the phone waiting for that call. Yeah. Being proactive. You yeah. Be proactive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And make make your own work then, and that's why stand up was brilliant. Once I discovered that, which was about four or five years out of drama school, then I really kind of clicked because it was like, oh, I can I can do this. I don't have to wait for anyone's permission. Yeah, I yeah. just go and do it. Yeah, I can get in the car and go to do a gig and stand on stage and say words. Yeah, and make people laugh, and that's it. I mean, it's this. It's all, there's something quite purist about it. Yeah, it's like amazingly empowering yeah for a frustrated actor yeah yeah so how did you find how did you discover comedy uh, I always loved it mm. I grew up enjoying it it's interesting because some comics didn't know it as a kid or a teenager mm. they sort of came to it later mm. but I always knew it and I would go to gigs as soon as I could you know there was comedy in Ealing there was like um, 
there used to be a club at the Viaduct in Hamwell and so I always used to see stand up. My mum and dad took me to gigs sometimes when I was a kid. I saw Billy Connolly when I was a oh, teenager wow. and Victoria Woods. Quite Wood. an education, yeah. Fantastic. So I was always taken to see mm. stuff, and my mum and dad just liked that. Comedy. They liked the world of comedy and theatre and all that stuff. So uh, it wasn't shut off. It wasn't like this mysterious mm. thing. Um, and then I. I did a course at City Lit is the short answer mm. but I'd always flirted with it and then as soon as I did that course I just carried on I went on the open mic circuit and kept going there was a kind of feeling of um, it, there was it had a, without wanting to sound like an old hippie mm. there was energy there yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. it had a frequency that buzzed in a way sometimes some things just flatline and you go oh, there's mm -hmm. nothing here yeah. it's dead I can't get anything out of this but comedy it was just like there's loads here I like you're connecting with people you're enjoying it you're making people laugh you're getting more gigs people give you good feedback sometimes they ring you back give you another and it was like oh my god I can invest loads of energy in this and at a time when you're sort of an out of work actor a bit bored and um, getting a bit sad you go to it, don't you? You're like, oh, this is this is fun. There's energy mm. here. I'm going to invest in this. Do they make, uh, in drama school, do they make people do stand-up? Not where I went, no. It feels like it should be a good idea to make them do that, wouldn't it? I think there's more of that going on in colleges and universities now. There's like, you, I think you can do stand-up um, courses. As part of your... As part, part of a degree, your, yeah. maybe, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to that, aren't there? Because it's not the kind of career that you can overly plan. No. I mean, it is a little bit arbitrary. And also, I believe it's one of those, it, it's educate, it's putting it in an educational context when actually, just go and do it. Yeah, mm. yeah, true. I just think yeah. the idea of them getting up on stage, I don't know. Well, also, not everyone can you know, write material either, I suppose. I guess I mean just them getting up on stage and that, no. that different energy, you know, because stand-up's a very, diff very different art form to acting. It's a different interaction totally. with the audience. Yeah. It's, it's unique, actually, I think it's, as you say, I think it's the purest art form, actually, in terms of being up on stage. It's a strange art form. Sometimes I don't even believe it is an art form, and then other times I'm like, no, it totally yeah. is. It depends what mood I'm in or what, how the gig's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened there? That yeah. was not art. That yeah. was not art. That was crass, and I hope no one ever sees we're, it. Or we're not talking it. about that again. Yeah, what happened in that room stays in that room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Like, I went to see James Acaster the other night in Hackney, and that was definitely art. Mm. But, you know, Jongler's on a Saturday night. That's not art. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. It's one of those things that I don't think can be pinned down. Yeah. Same with theatre, really. Like, some, I went to Panto last week. Is that art? <laughs> um, in a way, I guess. I don't know, I don't know. If I mean, it was art, it'd be like a Jackson Pollock, wouldn't it? It's just like... <laughs> yes, but it certainly well, kept... A lot of yeah. people entertained and amused. Well, it does, and it comes back to that sort of purpose thing again, doesn't mm. it? It gives, gives people a purpose. Some people might have a shit Christmas, and then they go to Panto. Yeah. And it makes their Christmas. Totally. So, I'm, I mean, really intrigued by this, like, what am I doing with my life? Am I help, am go I... to a really shit Panto and have a great Christmas. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, but shit panto is, is, is You can have an epiphany in a yeah. shit panto. Oh, God. What am I doing with my life? You can only go up from here. <laughs> Lowering the bar. This is as low as it gets. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm interested by the idea of like what, how are we all contributing? Yeah. What no, are we I doing? Am. It is interesting. When you shift the context from what can I get out of this, mm. how, you know, mm. where will this put me on my 
I mean, the word career, I'm even reluctant to use that sometimes because it's like, it's, it's not by design. Yeah. So much of it's arbitrary. Mm. If you keep the focus on, like you say, how am I contributing? What am I offering? It just alters the objective a little bit. Yeah. I think it gives you more of a, I think it gives you more drive in a way as well, actually. Yeah, it does. When you feel like you're actually, you're working, this is going to sound so wanky and I apologise in advance and you can cut this. <laughs> but you're like, you're like working for the greater good. Yeah. Wow, it sounded even wanky when it I came know, out. But why are we so coy about that as yeah. a as a calling or as a? It's interesting to be cynical of it or or embarrassed. Embarrassed, by it yeah. Because it's fine, isn't it? I mean, it's it's. I mean, all the teachings of I don't know philosophy or religion or whatever say that if you do things for other people you are happier I mean yeah. that's kind of yeah, almost it's, a well there's a scientific yes. thing that it's happens in your like, brain it's actually. not obscure yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah if you do something nice or something endorphins yeah. rush around your yes. body and so you feel the good so obvious <laughs> yeah. conclusion is then focus on that yeah. and yet when you say it you sound like a wanker yeah. feel that you sound yeah. like exactly yeah. so why is that it's, I don't know it's just such a contradiction I don't know if it's a British thing maybe that maybe we're sort of yeah well we're scared that we're virtue yeah. signalling yeah yeah, yeah. But some people think walking is virtue signaling. <laughs> oh, you're walking, are you? Yeah. Look at that wanker. Why are you getting a private jet? <laughs> Look at that guy's shirt off with his legs. Prick. Oh, yeah, so hard. you can't win. So you, you might can't. as well just do what you want to do and say how you feel. Yeah, that's true. Mm. It is hard. It is hard to do the right thing. Especially, I, and yeah, and, it, and also as a parenting as well and trying to role model... Because you got, I mean, all the kind of reflections on you can control your kids and make them be, you know, like I want them to be like this and I want them to be like yeah, that. Yeah. That whole thing of be it then, do yeah. it. Then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah, demonstrate yeah. it. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell. Show. Show. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's really hard. You go well if I want her to have integrity and make choices that I, you know, think are valuable and seek value. Do it yourself. Yeah. You know. Well, it's like I want. I got a twelve-week-old daughter. Oh wow! It's like, You're right in the middle. Uh, of the we year. are, yeah, head first. <laughs> it's like you know, I want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, come on then, Jim. Well, it's <laughs> Start the old, being happy. Yeah, it's the old <laughs> oxygen master, isn't it? On the plane, yeah, you've got yeah. to put it on yourself before you. Exactly. You're of no use if you're not happy. Yeah, agreed. You know. Agreed. Thankfully, we are happy. She's she's wonderful. Oh great. Poos a lot. But they do it that. It's a lot yeah. going. Yeah. I mean, it's all what, that you're in the bubble, the love yeah. bubble. I always yeah. think that when they're little, little, and you're not going out so much, especially this time of year, it's magical anyway. Yeah, it's a total love bubble. She's just discovered her other hand, oh. which I know, like, probably sounds a bit weird. So she's now doing a sort of like she looks like she's chairing a business meeting. She's just constantly <laughs> doing this with her hand. It's good. Kids all look. I remember reading in this Anne Enright book where she said all babies look either like Winston Churchill or Queen Victoria. <laughs> they have a sort of stately. Yeah. Well, I think Maria looks when she's got this all-in-one blue like sleep suit. She looks like Doctor Evil. Oh, a little bit. like a mini me. Yeah, she hasn't yeah. started doing that yet, but I'm yeah. sure she will. Even when they're being pushed around in a buggy or a pram, they're just like, get out of the way. I'm being moved around. Yeah. yeah. A thrown on wheels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. I know? love that. But yeah, I don't know. I think having a daughter as well has made me re- almost sort of reevaluate my life and be like, okay, what am I doing? How am I helping? How am I going to be a good role model? Mm, of course. How am I going to do exactly what you say? Show, show it. Yeah. You know, sort of lead by doing. And yet you've got to 
paid the bills. Got up. Yeah. I mean, that, oh, yeah, there's that little yeah. obstacle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that constant quandary yeah. of how do I be self-realised and fulfilled and I have to so, be yeah. a grown-up in the adult world and pay the bills. Yeah. And you're constantly having to find maybe some compromise. You know, mm-hmm. like we've all had to compromise. Yeah. All our jobs we haven't enjoyed. Yeah. That's part of life. Yeah. And then you kind of you know, constantly navigating those two conversations. And it's not beating yourself up too much if you do have to compromise. Like, oh, you know, God. Well, you haven't got choices yeah, sometimes. Yeah. That's absolutely mm. that. You know. Exactly. It's just, it's just part of life. Anyway, so anyway, school was great. School was school. <laughs> <laughs> God, school was great. I was very lucky. You know, I have been extremely lucky because my mum and dad always were encouraging. They I sound got, amazing, your mum and dad. They're lovely. Yeah. And they always kind of when I was into drama and they laughed at all my jokes and not in that they, I'd do these awful boring shows and my mum would sit and flick through Cosmopolitan and be like you're not looking at me <laughs> she'd be like I am I am go on go on but they they, they kind of encouraged yeah. me you know and drove me to my clubs and shows and yeah it's nice it's really nice yeah. to, to be encouraged yeah. it's an amazing feeling to be encouraged isn't it I think that's one of the ultimate feelings really yeah it I really think, is. Yeah. I'm really. I'm gonna try and tell them now, as an adult, I couldn't have done what I've done without that. Mm. You know, when think, you think how many people have their wings clipped? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially as a creative, because the the person clipping your wings most is you. So you yes. need, you need that support from mm. other people because yeah. you're the least supportive person to yourself. Yeah, but not especially my mum specifically. Not just in a kind of ha ha laughing at all her jokes and all Mrs. Worthington putting her daughter on the stage. Mm. But actually, I mean, my mum gave me like I had my mum's quite into self help stuff and she's a bit of an old hippie. So she was like giving me literature from my teens that I probably think is quite formative, like Gloria Steinem books and mm. The Artist's Way, and yeah. you know wow. I, I was reading those books from young because my mum was giving them to me yeah. and actually that's sort of establishing a kind of belief system that's not just what I mean a, a, a proper way of approaching what we're talking about like yeah. self regard and what yeah. value you have and what your objectives are and things like that oh that's a lot to be uh, learning at a young age well I mean teens when you're sort of rattling around thinking about life anyway True, because I'm still working through that stuff now. I'm yeah. still trying to work out all that now. Maybe I kind of wish I was given that kind of. Well, that's why I feel quite lucky and... that I sort of was, because it kind of. And I don't mean like I followed it. I mean I dicked around and yeah. made loads of mistakes. Yeah, of you course, know, yeah. I mean I was pissed for most of the nineties, but <laughs> at least I was like, at least I was sort of self-aware. There yeah. was a kind of awareness, and I think because we don't really, we not, we don't have religion. Like it's quite a secular, I had a secular upbringing. Mm. It's applying some sort of moral code to your life. Yeah. you know some kind of structure and they're not rules they weren't rules it wasn't no. like if you break these rules you have failed but there's just sort of some kind of understanding of cause and effect yeah. and reap what you sow and consequence and things like that that aren't innate you have to be told it and yet they are quite sort of common sense approaches to how yeah. to be a good person and how to yeah. sort of fit into this and, society and exactly and how you behave impacts on how people react to you yeah you know, and things like that. Yeah. And I'm just picking up something you said a minute ago, which is something I really subscribe to when it comes to sort of creative industry, is that idea of keeping going. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, people that you went to drama school with that aren't doing it anymore. And when I got into the creative world, the one thing I told myself was, you might be shit for ages. You might not work for ages. But if you just keep going, mm-hmm. stuff will happen. Yeah. And it kind of has. 
I mean, all those tr- those things about the um, it's not luck, it's graft, and you know all those quotes or whatever. It's a Woody Allen one, isn't there? About like just uh, it's amazing how much my hard work tallies in with my so-called luck and yeah. things like that. It's like if you stay present and and keep going, and and um, your luck will catch up. Yeah. With with the effort, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't fully believe in luck. I, I just think a lot of it is just keeping on going and stuff, yeah. and honing your craft, yeah. like viewing it. If you, I always sort of thought, if you had a job, job, which I don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> I think what job, do job, I mean? job, job, job. I, I totally know what you mean. What job, job is? A proper job, job. Yeah, yeah, proper job, job, job. <laughs> if you had a job, job, you'd be yeah. developed by a manager, and you'd yeah. have promotion, yeah. and you yeah. would have development and you'd go on like re- workshops and yeah. you'd go oh we're thinking about a sabbatical all the jargon yeah, that yeah. people associate with job, job jobs yeah, yeah. so I try and sort of occasionally apply them to my own non-job job and go oh well if I wanted to move on a bit and have a promotion and yeah. uh, you know experiment with this so blah 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 and if I was managing myself how would I manage myself yeah. you know? well, my if I gave myself an appraisal what would I say <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'd give myself the worst appraisal in the world. <laughs> my wife's an actor and she still goes to workshops now and then to sort of, you know. I think it's really important. Yeah. I mean, on a lot of it, it's important just psychologically because mm. you just want to have a community. And, and, yeah. and um, that's what I always envy people with job jobs is that they've got like a... <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars character. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a team. And, yeah. And, yeah. And um, colleagues. I know sometimes yeah. colleagues can be a pain in the arse. Yeah, yeah. But they've got people they can talk about work yeah, with yeah. and all that. Yeah, whereas obviously you're quite isolated. You can be yeah. isolated. I mean, you build a community and whatever, and if you've got good mates with it. I mean, I've got a little like a gang of comedian friends and yeah. we wank on for hours about each other's <laughs> jobs, work, <laughs> careers, all that stuff. But yeah, it, you need to find it, don't you? You need to find your people. Mm. My theory as well with ploughing on was that people will just fall away. Yeah. And if I'm still there... Yeah. They're going to have to book me for gigs because no one else will be here. But you They'll can't know away. that until... You, I mean, we're probably similar age. Are we, how old are you? 35. Um, well, no, we're not. I'm much older. Uh, well, 46. So I think now I'm reflecting on how actually that's really coming... Like, yeah. just by being around yeah. for yeah. a long time, yeah. you go, oh, things cut double... Um, and my experience... You go, for in your 20s... You are inexperienced, so you're embarrassed about being yeah, inexperienced. Yeah, exactly. So you're always a bit like slightly bullshitting yeah. and blagging. Yeah. And then by the time you're in your forties, you're like, oh, I don't have to blag anymore. Yeah. I'm not blagging. Yeah. Like when you start as a comic, you have to build up your stage time, and you, I don't know if it's true anymore, but I remember lying to get gigs and saying I'd done more gigs than I had because otherwise they'll go, how many gigs you've yeah. done, and then they won't give you the gig. Yeah. So I'd go, oh, I've done twenty, and then they go, all right, we'll give you five minutes. Yeah. And then once you've gone past 100 or so gigs, you start pretending you've done less because you're pretending you're better than... God, this just comes so natural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God, this is... Got on stage. And you've done 200. Wow. You know, there's natural. a culture of bullshit <laughs> yeah. around fake it till you make it, you know. But I think that's the same for a lot of people, not just the creative industry. Yeah. We're all faking it till we make it in some regard. And that doesn't even have to be with... Jobs that could be with relationships or totally, you know, self identity. I think we're all faking it a bit until you notice at one point other people start referring to you as the thing you want to be referred to. That's interesting, isn't it? When that turns, and you think, when that, oh shit, yeah, I am. 
Yeah. I'm, I have become the thing I want to be. I've noticed that lately I've become slightly patronising by using the phrase, I've been doing this 20 years. <laughs> it's a lovely milestone <laughs> when you can start going into like t- 10 or... When you reflect like, it's been 10 years since I graduated. I can yeah. now have that slightly wobbly-headed <laughs> smugness. <laughs> yeah. It's been 10 years since I left. <laughs> and now I can say I've been acting for 20 years. Mm. And my dad, like... We'll use phrase that I've been doing this for yeah. 40. I'm like, oh, once you're in the smug zone, you can be cocky and go, well, I've learned a thing or two on this crazy journey. Yeah, but that, I, I, if that was me, I'd flip it the other way around and be like, I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm still shit. I should be good at this now. No, you need to work on that. You need yeah. to be much more self-congratulating. Yeah. Can, I can't speak for that. out. <laughs> words. No, but I think, like, I think people, other people are more self-congratulating. What do we say? Congratulations. Self, what's the word? Self-esteem. Self, good old self-esteem. Self-esteem. But other people almost have more self-esteem for you than you do sometimes. That's the old long spoon thing though, isn't it? About yeah. the, what's that saying about the long spoon? Like in heaven or hell, everyone's got food and spoons. Oh, hang on, this is good. <laughs> no, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so like heaven, so there's all the feast, the banquet, and everyone's got long spoons. Yeah. And in hell, they're trying to feed themselves, but they can't because the spoons are too long. And in heaven, they're, they're feeding, feeding each, each other. other. Yeah. I've never heard that before. I call it the old long spoon, and I say it as if people know what I'm talking about, and sometimes I'm like, they don't know the long spoon. So you could sort of pass that up to your own spoon. guru. Kind no, of it's, it's an old fable, isn't that's it? Good. That's really good. Yeah, It's a good one. I like that a lot. The old long spoon. Sounds like, sounds like a pub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, going down the long spoon. Yeah, right? just going down the long spoon. <laughs> what can I get you? <laughs> oh, dear. So, comedy... What were those first kind of shows like for you then? Oh, probably awful. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you saw Quinn, well, <laughs> we have we've had quite a few co- comedians on the podcast, and a lot of them said that their like the first gig was amazing, yeah. and then that kind of like I can you know I can That's do it. this. They're in. They're in. Yeah. And then obviously, then it sometimes it you get a bit of a kick oh, up yeah, the yeah. arse. Yeah. I think the first gig probably was the showcase from that city lit course. Yeah. So that was a very supportive, you know, it, yeah. will pr- it did go well. It was fine. Yeah. And then once you're out on the open mic circuit, which is a very weird world, the open mic circuit. Mm. I remember being very aware that I needed to, I wanted to move through it quick and start getting, getting paid gigs. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure I had tough kicks. I'm not one of those like I remember. I'm not. My memory's getting awful. I don't remember because journalists will sometimes say, "What was your worst gig?" People love to hear about the worst gig. And yeah. I don't really have one of those, but there are probably too many to recall. <laughs> I, I remember being on a kind of like, this is, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. It would be the equivalent like mm. of my three years at drama school. I'll, I'll be a three-year apprentice yeah. of stand-up. Yeah. And yeah. I'm now, I'm just going to keep I'm graduating going. now. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there were loads of tough gigs. And then I'd try and learn from them. Yeah, and tough gigs happen. Back gigs happen. Back gigs happen. Well, they're gigs happen all the time. Right. It make it's, just part, it's just part of it. Yeah, and we yeah. learn from those more, don't we? And you can just blame course. the audience. Just, yeah, <laughs> always the no, audience. I always, I always blame myself. It's, it's so it's odd tick, isn't it? If it goes really well, you go, oh, they were a lovely audience. <laughs> yeah. And if it goes really badly, you're like, oh, I fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in any creative industry, you, there's good and bad days and there's good and bad jobs. And that's just... Totally. It's just what happens. Yeah. And as you say, you try and learn from it. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. Because you, you do think, oh, I'm shit today. But if you can take away one thing from a shit gig and apply it to next It's gig. really hard to be funny when you're feeling sad. That's a really difficult one when you're having... 
mm. you know, and just to put it aside and do your job. Mm. But it is your job and it is what you're there to do. And it's like, that's a really strange one. But then again, it's always like a fake it till you make it again on stage. And also just putting on the clown mask and popping on the bells on the ends of your toes and off you go. <laughs> the on the face. It's the old tears of a clown thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I suppose the reason why it's so fascinating to people is because they know that we all have our emotional sort of ups and downs and yet uh, comedians slash clowns have to just crack on with it, don't they? And just You can't. I mean, that's when it feels like an acting job, actually. Mm, yeah. You just go, I'm, I'm here to play a part. Well, I was going to say, has it, has it fed into your acting, that, that learning those kind of skills? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, the other way around, actually. The acting skill has always helped with the stand-up. Like... I I use the things I know as an actor in the stand-up. Mm -hmm. Like all that connect, connecting and objectives and all that actory spiel, I can apply that to stand-up in a way, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think I'm more of a performer than a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it, if, I, if I'm a bit at sea with what I'm trying to communicate, if I if I get into the the emotion of it, yeah. I'll just I hang out there and try and keep communicating what I'm trying to communicate. Whereas if I sat and tried to write it mm -hmm. using clever words and language, I think it would I just disappear up my arsehole. So it's like I I try and just convey it with emotion, and and that's when the acting that that's the performing side, isn't it? Mm. But that's you doing you. That's you yes. embracing who you are and what yeah. your skills are and doing you. And when you're on stage, audiences are savvy. They know when you're not being truthful in a way, I guess. Totally. So if oh you're God, being they you, can smell they it. can smell it. Like, yeah, oh, not... it's awful. <laughs> it's horrible how, how instinctive they are. Yeah. That. That's the thing. In the early days, when they say about how do you deal with stage, there's nothing worse than being scared. Yeah. Because if they sniff it, you're, you're sunk. Yeah. So half of it is blagging not being scared. Absolutely. You know. And they in control. It's like teachers. Yeah. You know, once a teacher's voice cracks and, <laughs> and the kids are on the and tables. The kids are like, oh there we go. <laughs> you're a broken yeah, person. Yeah. We're gonna take you down. Why do we have this innate because I think all comedy audiences are actually <laughs> way more savage, that kind of thing, than than they even realise, mm. I think. But why mm. do we have this innate thing inside of us to like try and break because down? Because we're really people? primitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're horrible. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. But I, don't know. but I do like um, finding the crossover with the acting and the stand-up and where where one serves one and one serves the mm. other. And I'm really glad that I've kept both going. Because again, another question that journalists often ask is, which do you prefer? Yeah. Or yeah. if you had to choose, as if this world is so cruel that I have to... If yeah, you it's like to you're an actress, it does a bit of comedy on the side. Yeah, yeah. They always like to say, what would you prefer? But I, I, I'm, I like both. I'm really glad I can And there's no reason why you shouldn't do both. No. I like those Renaissance people. I like yeah. people like, um, I don't know, like Noel Fielding or uh, all those arty ones that paint and things like that. It's like um, Vic and Bob and... Yeah. You know, the art school sort of like, you know, it's like if you had this other outlet, painting or... Yeah. You'd carry on, wouldn't you? It just yeah. so happens yeah. that mine both happen to be performing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they are, like, they are separate jobs in separate worlds. Yeah. There's a sl I mean, obviously they cross over now because of um, things I've done with Ricky and stuff. So there's been a lot more crossover. Mm. But there are still occasions where they feel like really separate. Work, and I'll be doing a drama, and they won't know I'm a stand up. 
people really? will say, oh, I'll, it'll come up in conversation and they'll be like, oh, what did you say that? It's, it can be different. 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. And then I get my wobbly head in smoke. Yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. So it's quite nice that yeah. they can be really separate. How do people, are people, do they, I wonder if like sometimes maybe you're not taken so seriously maybe sometimes, do you think? As a dramatic actor? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm lucky that I get to do bits and pieces of it. Um, but oh, I don't doubt that I, yeah, I may well have lost parts because I'm a comic mm. and they're like, well, oh, it's like when Robert De Niro does comedy, you're like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. He's going to shoot someone in the face. Any minute. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. that. It's like what well, casting's delicate, and if people yeah. are yeah. Uh, having, if they get an energy off me that's a bit piss takey or sarky, or it's going to be undercut, then I can see why you wouldn't mm. cast me in in a certain dramatic role. Mm. Well, we had John Bradley on, didn't we, from Game of Thrones the other day, and he was mm. sort of talking about that he's done this massively famous role for eight years, and now feels like he can't maybe be taken in any other way in. By casting directors, in, in it's really delicate. I mean, it must be a real shame to feel, you know, it's the old Ian Beale thing. It's like yeah. you're you're you're, Ian you're Beale, yeah. Now, mate. Ken Barlow. Yeah, Ken Barlow. I mean, yeah. that's it. That 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 caution. I mean, and that implies you can make choices which none of us really do. Not yeah. in casting. I yeah. mean, in a way, that's why I do love that I got into comedy and do stand up because I just couldn't be at the mercy of all that stuff in acting. Yeah. It's just too tenuous. And I and I could remember when I left college feeling like my love and my skills were in comedy but I couldn't control it so I'd say to my then agent this is before I did stand up I'd be like what about sitcoms can I go up for sitcoms because I was going up for like the bill and casualty and all the, mm. the, the dramas and she was like well I put you up for them but I mean they, they don't know who you are when you're at the beginning they, no one knows who anyone is no. it's all a, a crap shot and it wasn't until I started stand up that I started going up for more comedy and it all kind of I could feel that I was going down the road of where I wanted to go, yeah. but I had to steer it with the with the stand up. But I still do. I mean, I did a drama this year, and also the lovely thing about um, Derek and yeah. Afterlife is that they yeah. are quite dramatic, yeah, albeit yeah. comedy shows. Mm. I did get to do comedy and drama, so they've been quite nice um, opportunities for me to, to do a bit of both. Yeah, it affects your acting muscles a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's good. I like the idea that you made that happen. <clears throat> you wanted to go a certain way, and by doing stand-up, you sort of you made it happen rather than waiting for other people to make that decision for you. Yeah, and I'm sure for some people that's fine as well because there are loads of actors that we know who are hugely successful in comedies, and they're not stand-ups. Yeah, but it just went that way for them. I I had to sort of grab the reins a bit more. Yeah, or maybe I need not have. I don't know. I mean, there are all these sliding doors lives where I might be. <laughs> Having a, if I hadn't done stand-up, God knows why. Yeah, but I think, and we, this comes up in the podcast a lot, I think sometimes you sort of know, even if stand-up had never been a career, mm. you know sometimes you need to do something. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like That's I need exactly to, how I feel. I felt. actually need to do this, and like whatever happens, happens. Yeah, but. Absolutely. I mean, I often say, if it hadn't been for stand-up, I probably would have packed acting in by now. I mean, it was, it was the thing that kept me going. Mm. And I don't know if that's true. Fuck knows. I mean, I could have been in EastEnders and have been in it 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years in the Married square. to Ian Beale. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I know that I followed my passion at that time. And yeah. I was a bit bored and frustrated. And then I found stand-up. And I was a bit 
giddy. That's not me making that. <laughs> I, I, I thought it sounded like Charles actually. <laughs> <laughs> I did get. I get. I, I got. You know. Yeah. You know. Like we were saying, there was energy in it, and I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. having some of that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Because I think as well, like there's to bring it back to blank moments. Um, People can have blank moments in their career and stuff, or life and whatever. And sometimes it almost just takes doing that little thing and think, "I really fancy doing this." Whatever it is, be mm. it stand up or I don't know, going somewhere or doing something a bit different. I've always wanted to do it, so I'm going to do it. And then it might just make you happy for a day or a yeah. week, or it might make you think, "Oh, I can do this," or it might make you meet someone. Like just totally. sometimes it all it takes is just doing that that little thing, almost maybe with no expectation and just yeah. seeing where it goes. And that's scary. I get that. But sometimes but there's it's, something really useful about being scared. Yeah, <laughs> it takes you out of your comfort zone, and it, I mean, it's all uh, it's all useful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you've got a support net, I mean, I can understand it's not for everyone. I mean, I know that a lot of people look upon stand-up comedy as the ultimate nightmare, don't they? And 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 for years, people would be like, I don't know how you do what you do. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose there was a sort of slight um, kind of soldier glory out of it you'd be like yeah, yeah I'm right on the front line mate. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. but it's it's silly I mean I, I think sometimes when they're saying I don't know what how you do what you do they really mean it like as if you're, you're mad and I think there is a madness mm. in it you know it, I can remember like family members but you'd get in the car on a winter's night and drive to Halifax and back <laughs> yeah for 20 quid and yeah. talk shit on stage yeah. I mean, that's a madness. I just sunned under back in one night for a 10-minute open spot. I mean, yeah. That was the moment I was like, right, I need to actually work out what I'm doing here. This yeah, but ridiculous. I mean, that's what's awesome. But you did it. There's no kind of way round that. They become your war stories, and comics yeah, love yeah. to tell those stories. Yeah. They love to be in a car, talking shit with a bunch of comics, yeah. late at night. You know, that is kind of... That's what I mean. There's no cause yeah. for that. That's, yeah. that's the circuit. Yeah. And there's a little bit of romance with all that. You know, it's like, if you're open to it and I was young enough and free enough like I didn't have a day job I didn't have kids then I didn't have a mortgage I was free to have a go so I went for it yeah but that idea of people saying like oh I don't know how you do this I feel that with like firemen and like nurses and stuff I think I would actually mate if I had the build of a man and not like a 10 year old boy I would love to be a fireman. Yeah, I'd be out there like actually helping people and doing something I don't know how they do that shut themselves into burning buildings going up on stage and talking for 20 minutes about having a baby I know it's, it's so silly isn't it to make out like it's this really brave thing yeah. you're not diffusing landmines no exactly <laughs> it's yeah. um yeah it's a folly isn't it but it's I mean it's emotionally uh turbulent <laughs> yeah yeah emotional turbulence good name from Edinburgh show that is such a funny phrase, isn't it? Uh, I think good name for an Edinburgh show is a good name for yeah, an Yeah. <laughs> yes. Agreed. My uh, new favourite tweet is, this hasn't aged well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, with a quote of, you know, a picture of... David Cameron. Cameron in it, yeah. yeah. Or um, something Corbyn said. This hasn't aged well. well. Or just yeah. a photo of myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This hasn't aged well. This hasn't aged well. Something I said yesterday has turned into not being... a. Uh, True. People start creating tweets that haven't aged well. They'll just start tweeting stuff, and then about 10, 15 years later, they'll tweet, This hasn't aged Have well. you seen? There's that trend on Twitter. Have you seen the people a, to yeah. quote tweet a tweet saying, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that? And then someone quote tweets that and puts, No way, this is unbelievable. And then they quote tweet oh, that. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. And it's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, it, that sums up social media. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a real, like, you've disappeared up an orifice there. Yeah. 
certain orifice. How do you find the social media? It's do you find it world, useful? isn't it? Um, well, it wasn't useful with the election like we were no. just talking about. It was an echo chamber. But uh, you mean creative? Yeah. Do, I mean, is it useful? I don't know. I hear some actors saying they, you know, they, they need to have some sort of um, online presence to sometimes be recognised for jobs. Yeah, you hear that, don't mm. you? Although there are people with profile that aren't on there. But yeah, I've heard whisperings of jobs being got or lost because you didn't have enough followers and all yeah. that. I don't know it if sounds, I buy it. I don't know if I buy that. Can't bad, be, it can't yeah. be true, surely. You're right for the job, you're right for the job. But yeah. Especially acting. Mm. I mean, maybe comedy. There is a bit of... I guess if you've got a following, you, 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 yeah. you can sell tickets or whatever it might be. But acting, surely not. You don't With need a social media profile for acting. I don't know. I mean, casting directors don't care. Clients, commercial client might think, oh, I want this person. What, in a business sense? Yeah, if they're casting someone. But I think casting director won't care. They'll just care about who's in best in the room, won't they? Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. yeah. As we were just saying, casting's mm. so delicate. Yeah. You just have to get it right. Just and right. chemistry. Yeah, I mean, Twitter. Yeah, it's like, is she ready for a lady with yeah. Oh, she's got 80,000 followers. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that sort of demeans the whole thing, doesn't yeah. it? I, I find it useful more so lately because sometimes if you tweet, like I've managed lately to get jokes out of it. So if okay, I tweeted yeah, yeah. something that really landed, yeah. like a joke on stage, I think, oh, I'm going to say that on stage, and then it's worked. And I've kind of sensed it would anyway because of what it's attracted on Twitter. Mm. I don't do FaceTime. I've stopped. I don't. I'm, I, I just don't like it. It's too needy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just far too needy. Twitter can be needy, but less so. Instagram, I'm not. I've got an account, but I'm crap at it. I'm not I've, so good yeah, on yeah, visual. Yeah. I like Twitter because I like the brevity of it. Mm. It appeals to that side of my nature because I like jokes. So there's a kind of economy that I really like. Like I like. There's a sort of purist in me that likes jokes one-liners something that's quick and neat and smart and i think twitter lends itself not always because people talk a load of crap on there including me but twitter feeds more into my taste than the other platforms you just gotta be careful on twitter because you you get everything you put up there you're getting heckled by 50 percent of the audience i i managed to have dodged a bullet i mean when we hear about the trolls and all that especially women comics yeah I've not had loads. I see. I'm almost scared to say it because I'm scared that they're going to come out of the, the woodwork. But I've never been massively trolled, and I don't really know why. Because I've not, you know, I, I, like recently, especially because of the election, I was quite open about my mm. my politics and stuff like that. You think, oh, here we go. I'm going to get a load of shit now. Mm. But I never have. I think it's just because I haven't. Um, Actually, why do you think that is? I don't know why I haven't. Well, I don't, I don't know. If you've built up it. enough goodwill within your echo chamber. Yeah. Or you're in a Or I haven't dented the... Yeah. I haven't, I haven't uh, upset the trolls. Yeah. Or the you're... Sleeping trolls. You're in other people's echo chambers as well. And you're, we're all just in the same echo chamber. Yeah. Do you get trolled much? Because you're, cause you're like... You're really good at putting out positivity. You're really great, and and like it really. I like your persona on there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, it's well, it's, 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 it's his. Pers- it's him. <laughs> it's not, yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, you don't ever feel cynical and think, "Oh, fuck this," and tweet uh, it. Very rarely. You see, that's what I can't yeah. control is that I can have days where I'm furious and I can't. Yeah, you can't. Because yeah. Twitter is, we are who we are. Yeah. They're 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 kind of like this raw version of ourselves, mm. and I've started deleting 
the odd tweet. I, if I'm feeling like that, I often write the tweet out and then decide whether I'm going to send it or not. Yeah. Often I'll just say, no, nah, do you know what? I'm not going to send it. You can look that. at your draft folder sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sort of track, like how you were that week. Yeah. But yeah, I do, I do tend to, to err towards positivity and kindness. That's brilliant. But do you get trolls? Do you make it? Occasionally. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you've decided that, that it's going to be a source for good or it's. Yeah. A, yeah. 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 No, it's. Yeah, definitely. I that's think lovely. because there is. So much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it works. And that's brilliant to have um, a presence of an yeah, antidote. Yeah, that yeah. Shit. exactly. Yeah, and if I, I post funny videos, things like that as well. No, it, it works and clearly works. And it but yeah, occasionally you get trolls, and and it is. It's you know, I mean, I think it's more to be like, look, why are you bothering to be kind and positive? You know, everyone knows Twitter's not about kind and positivity. It's that kind of like, oh, okay. why are you even bothering? Um, you know, fuck off, kind of. Thing. <laughs> but that's so. <laughs> Silly and horrible. Well, yeah. you don't have to engage. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's, I just think, well, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. exactly. Block me. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I've been blocking yeah. more. Like, I've just never had a pile on, and I've had no. a lot of people, especially fellow women comics. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Been yeah. yeah, And I just think, oh, am I, have I got one of those in the post? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How have fine. I managed to avoid that? I mean, I'm sure it will come for me mm. at some point. Yeah. I don't think of it as fully real. I think that's the other thing. I don't, it's not, it's an illusion. Well, no, illusion. I think that's probably sometimes I get a backlash is because people think it's, I don't know, like I'm curating some, you know, uh, kindness, kindness guru. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kindness guru. <laughs> it's not that at all. You know, this is it's genuinely me. Well, but, that's you know, great. But, but, but I think that is sometimes people's perception that it's not you, isn't it? And I think people see that a lot, on, particularly on social media now that, we're not always ourselves. We are curating. Well, people are seeking hypocrisy all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to find it. I mean, yeah. bloody hell. Because when well, yeah. XR were doing all that stuff, I got a bit involved and tweeted quite a lot. So, and people are determined to find, mm. but you've got shoes and elbows. How dare you have an opinion on this? And you think, oh, right, there's a madness in this. Yeah, if I yeah. engage with it, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it, the only way is down. Well, it's poking a hornet's nest, isn't totally. it? Totally. And it's just... It's almost worth not just not engaging sometimes. I mean, I'm so admirable at, of how articulate some people are on there. I mean, my I'm constantly making typos, so I'll tweet a thing, <laughs> oh God, yeah, and yeah. I'll think, right, I've smashed that, and then I'll read it an hour later and go, oh my God, that's chaos. <laughs> There's no punctuation, and then some knob will come out of nowhere and go, do you mean wives? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you think, oh, this is nonsense. Why yeah. am I engaging with this? Yeah. I think that, but any of those replies and the same with people replying to you and saying why are you being nice it says way more about them than you oh god exactly. and so just let them have their thing that's why I'm fascinated by people that really love engaging with it and rowing on there and, yeah. and properly you know getting in and having a, a really complicated what should be nuanced conversation on, on Twitter I mean it's just the yeah. most silly it's literally a fight in a bin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we've lost sight of nuance, haven't we? Oh, Everything's it's, just Oh, it's so depressing. Yeah. Which is why I suppose there's, you know, why you go to to art. Yeah. And you go to the theatre and, and yeah. read books and comedy shows and whatever is because you're seeking nuance and you're seeking meaning. Mm. But you're not going to get loads of it on Twitter. Or, it's, it is the no. sort of basest place. I wonder if everything that's happening at the moment and social media will actually maybe drive people back towards live performance, live comedy and live art. Because actually, they say, don't they, when things are really bad in society, people need that so much more yeah. that actually attendances and stuff go up. So I wonder yeah, if yeah. we're going to enter the sort of golden age of 
It's performance, funny, it? it's maybe. become this now part of our lives, this thing that didn't exist when I was growing no, up. This whole no, yeah, new, yeah. like we talk it's, about it on podcasts and um, I, it can be, it's part of my day every day. And yeah. I have phases where I take it off. Mm, I yeah. think I need to sort of you have to have a break, yeah, detox yeah. this and take it out and be more present and all that stuff. Mm. I don't think it's good or healthy, but, but I can't claim it. Do you use it when you're working? To promote? Well, no, I meant like when you're like on a set or, or waiting to, you know. Oh, God, a poor, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time where I'd have taken a book. To, there's so much yeah, hanging about yeah. on the set. Yeah. There's so much dead time. We're replacing boredom. Now, We're replacing, we? and now yeah. my kids, the, the kid, uh, you know, it's been said a trillion times, but I don't think kids know what boredom is. No, no, I was having the very same conversation. My son was wandering around at the weekend, li- literally getting more and more agitated because he was, he, he wanted to yeah. play on his um, phone. And I said, yeah. no, no, you can, you can be bored for, yeah. for, for, yeah. Eight, for a few hours. And actually just, yeah. <laughs> find something to do yeah. because actually it's really good to be bored and it worries me I mean it really does stress me out because I think going back to my childhood yeah. I, I used to I mean I was always occupying myself and doing the writing little books yeah. and, you know reading and I mean I wasn't a perfect child by any means but I did find you know pleasure in mm. being creative mm. in a way that I worry that my kids they just don't naturally go to it because they can just get on a device mm. and and nothing breaks my heart more than just seeing a kid in a buggy with a, an iPad, yeah. you know, or the kid being pushed around IKEA with an iPad in the trolley. I just but then they become Jesus. a useful like if Mum's at the supermarket and she can't, it's like oh, a deterrent. I get deterrent. it. I get it. So I get it as well. In there, but yeah. you think that's a really contemporary thing, yeah. and I'm a little bit worried anthropologically that's yeah. not going to be great. Really? Well, I try. I find myself holding my baby, who's twelve weeks old, and then sometimes on my phone, and I look over and she's like looking at the phone screen. My wife's yeah. like, yeah. "Don't use the phone around her." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, obviously. Why would I do that?" But I still keep doing it. I it's know. so obvious. It's really, really it's hard. Not good. It is crack. I mean, it really yeah. Well, I, was, yeah, I think I was standing in the 100%. the post office the other day, and, a, and it was a queue, and like obviously, in bygone years I would have just looked around the post office or oh, what's that over there <laughs> totally. uh, but now it's, oh, I'm so bored I'm so bored oh my yeah. god I've only got to wait like two minutes I'm so fucking bored yeah. uh, I need to get my phone out and, and, yeah. blah, 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 and then you get to the front and obviously they're like uh, excuse me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I was like oh fuck and you're getting absorbed yeah. in either, and usually it'll be something negative yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% you know it won't be oh I'll get my phone out and have this enlightened yeah. moment. It's yeah. like I'll just go down the rabbit hole of doom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know. Whereas, <laughs> by you know, again, I, 10, 15 years ago, I would have been standing in that cube thinking of a, some song lyrics or yeah. like some poetry in my head, or or you might have spoken to someone else. Or might have spoken to someone else. Yeah. I mean, that's connected thing, with someone. Yeah, connected yeah. with someone. Yeah. That's the annoying thing about being on set. I was working with an older actor, and everyone was on their phones, and he was like, not, mm. uh, and. He wasn't like moaning or upset, but he just said, "This, I'm just. This isn't what my generation do." Yeah. And for years, actors would sit around and chat. Yeah. And suddenly, everyone was looking down at their phones, and he just was a bit like, "Blimey, things have changed." Yeah. Because it was the internet was supposed to be this like enlightening like, thing, wasn't uh, it? Shush, well, shush, 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 I'm just, I'm just, doing I'm in the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> looking at interiors. <laughs> it was supposed to be like this enlightening thing in the internet, wasn't it? Connecting everyone and like the wealth of information at our fingertips. That's the biggest and, paradox, isn't yeah. It? yeah, exactly. It's mm. the exact opposite. Oh well. 
Anyway, <laughs> where do we go from here? Uh, let's talk about something interesting. Mm. Well, I should probably wrap up, actually. I've just seen the time. Um, so, Carrie, normally at the end we ask people for their advice on blank moments. So blank moments listeners. are what when you're just feeling sort of creatively Wow, well, it's very interpretive. Yeah, um, it could be anything, really. Yeah, um, we've probably alluded to some already. Mm-hmm. You know, those yeah. moments when things aren't maybe going so well or, um, yeah, or even performance. And you're, obviously, you perform a lot. When you have a might have a blank moment on stage, oh or, god, yeah, yeah, <laughs> loads of those. <laughs> They're horrible. When you suddenly forget what you're going to say next, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mean create like when you're a bit creatively blocked? Oh, could be, could be anything. Yeah, that's yeah. how. Yeah, that's how we started off the podcast. Okay. Um, Fifty pods ago. Mm. Fifty pods. <laughs> yeah, we're fifty pods oh, in. We're uh, eighteen months into this project. <laughs> All these young people doing podcasts. We've been around the block, mate. It's not our first rodeo. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna take it. I'm taking it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, when we first started the pod, it was about creative moments. We've had so many people from different industries over that time talking about different black moments. It is kind of interpretive, but yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so when, what was the question? Uh, do you have advice for anyone listening that might have a blank moment oh. of how you maybe deal well, with it? Well, we've probably just... talked about all that. I mean, you have to keep going and find a set of tools and useful um, resources, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm always amazed that sometimes when I'm in a funk and I feel a bit crappy and then I'll go and do a gig and I just feel better. Yeah. It just takes me out of myself and... My husband always says, you're completely different when you come back from a gig. It just shifts me immediately. Mm. So doing something, yeah. I mean, all the usual stuff, like either, you know, exercise. I mean, I didn't exercise when I was younger. I came to, as I said, I was pissed for most of the 90s. So <laughs> it's something that I've kind of, as I've got older, yeah. I've looked after myself better. I meditate more. I do more exercise. I eat better. Things like that. That's really changed my mental health. Yeah really changed it I mean I used to get low a lot when I was in my 20s and you think oh that's because you weren't looking after yourself I mean it's mm. just you, you were just dicking about and it was all a bit chancy you know and now I feel like oh right if you do that you feel like this mm. and you can alter it so that's been really useful in a way that's like a little bit of getting the power back a bit totally or just being just being present and calming down and yeah. not catastrophizing and not panicking about the future and not f- feeling uh, regretful about the past. All those things mm. that are, you know, tale as old as time. <laughs> 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 There's no spin on the old stuff, is there? It's like we all, as humans, know it. It's just practicing it. I think we do we do know it exactly it's going from that stage of knowing what to do but actually doing it yeah and being kind and looking after yourself and be, be you know all that stuff we're saying about being useful but being useful to yourself as well and just mm. knowing who you are and what works for you and what really doesn't work for you and if it doesn't work you stop doing it yeah and being yeah. honest about those yeah. things yourself, and finding people that are honest with you mm. you know and people you trust and finding a community and stuff you know it's all it's all on you, isn't it, in the end? And that's, I suppose there was a sort of sense early on, for, especially from that acting, there's so many um, cliches and stereotypes about actors 
and I kind of sniffed out the bullshit early on. I was a bit like, I'm not, I don't want to be one of those actors that sit by the phone and that phrase, sitting by the phone, waiting for that call. Yeah. And so I'll oh, fuck that. I'm not, I don't want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Proactivity, that's the key. Proactivity, connection, be useful. That, that's my advice. That's a good t-shirt, that, wasn't it? <laughs> that's a good end yeah. of the show. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kay Godwin. Thank you so much. Thank for you for asking friend. me. It was very kind. Of, thank you for coming to my house. Oh, yeah, thank you for oh, hosting, hosting us. us. Yeah. yeah, lovely coming Yeah, no, it's really nice. I, mean, I love podcasts because you're just chatting, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Although you have that horrible, po- you can't. You, well, you're fifty pods in, so you won't. But now we're I do one now and then, and then I spend the rest of the day thinking, oh, "Why did you say that? You're going to sound like a cunt." Because <laughs> 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 that self-regarding thing, yeah, and getting caught up in your own, uh, your own story or whatever, and you go, "Oh, have I disappeared up an orifice?" Well, no, because but it also comes back to that thing we we're saying earlier about how we, what we're doing in society, how we're helping people. Because there'll be people listening to this podcast who will have enjoyed hearing what you say and they might take away one little bit from it. We get tweets every day from people saying, I listened to this pod and I took away this bit. I listened to this pod and this bit of advice rang true. So there's always something. Yeah. And if one person listens to this pod and takes something away from it, well then we've had there a good, we've had a good pod. Person, I hope you're true of your listeners after 50. <laughs> you really nailed the wobbly head. Yeah, it's my yeah. favourite. I've learned. I've learned something today. New You've skill. learned how to do wobbly headed yeah. snug. Yeah. Another casting for wobbly headed snug. It's like I'm gonna. I'm gonna nail it. Um, yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Godman. Oh, I love Kerry. She's so great. That was really, she was right, hosted us, made us a lovely cup of tea, and just a really nice chat. And again, we say this every week, but like someone we could have chatted to for hours. Um, really nice person, some great stories, and yeah. just, and just, and again, sort of an inspirational person who sort of wanted to, you know, chose to do stand up because the acting wasn't going mm. the way she wanted, and it's opened up so many doors for her. And I think that's another kind of inspirational take that that, oh, that we can all kind yeah. of relate to yeah yeah we really can you know and it, like you say when one door closes another one opens yeah, and yeah. obviously the comedy's been great for her and she it, it means that she's come full circle back to the acting yeah. which is great you know and she is brilliant yeah so thank you very much very much Kerry yeah, for joining you. us on this week's podcast and thank you to our listeners for listening we really mm. appreciate it it's we episode do. 51 here's to the next 49 <laughs> <laughs> who knows where we'll be exactly in that point but um, that's it Enjoy the rest of your week. Charles, have a great week. And you, Jim. Take care. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Blank Podcast. Goodbye. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.